three different versions, and I'm sure there's many more, but I, I know of three different miraculous versions of the spiritual background behind the, the miracle that we witnessed this week with the freeing of those two refugees. So like, 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 like we said, I'm sure you guys have heard some of these stories before, but that it's still worth... Hostages, it, I'm sorry, hostage, I apologize. Um, and uh, it's worth uh, repeating. So story number one. Why, why am I starting, starting with this story? Because my wife told it to me, first of all. And then I was running, I was late to the morning class I give, and the story that she told me was in my phone. Somehow it clicked in my phone. I don't know how, in one of the WhatsApp groups, and it clicked. And I was like, oh, there's a story my wife is telling me. So as I'm running, I heard this story. So I, I felt like Hashem was giving me a message that I should retell this story. So um, there's a woman that is part of my wife's family, uh, Moratsiri. And she started this new project uh, after October 7th to get many children to say Tehillim together. And every day they have thousands of children over Zoom coming together and saying to Hillim for the protection of the Jewish people. And on Sunday night in, in America, she had a guest speaker who would excite them and he was singing, he was a paratrooper and he got them singing Hamalach Goel and Achenu and Am Yisrael Chai. And, and everyone was feeling very inspired. So she told one of the boys, his name was Moshe Chaim, said, Moshe Chaim, when we say the 20th capital of Tehillim, not through uh, swords, and we are saved through Hashem. I want you to scream it. So Moshe Chaim screamed it. And all the children screamed the Tehillim. And she happened to look at the clock right then. And it was 6.49 Eastern Standard Time, which is 1.49 in the morning, which is exactly when the two chatufim, losing my English, the two uh, captives were freed. Exactly at that moment when they finished that delim was when they were freed, which is just an unbelievable uh, story, obviously to Machazik, the power of saying Tehillim, of every Tehillim makes a huge difference. So that's story number one, okay, with me? Story number two, which was... Um, I've seen a lot of YouTube videos about this one. Um, so there was a, a woman, an Argentinian, and her dad was one of these captives. And there's a Tel Aviv organization that takes uh, uh, these, the families of the captives and brings them to different communities to raise awareness so people shouldn't forget about the captives. And they were in a Chabad community in America. And, um, and, sh and she, her English wasn't so good, so her husband was speaking. And her husband was saying, listen, my, my, my wife has not been able to function since what happened, since her father was taken captive. Her, her father was so full of life, and she's just broken. She, she's having a hard time raising the kids. Just don't forget about our captives. And the people were so moved, and they said, what can we do to, to contribute? And can we give money? What do you, what do you need? And they said, no, just, just don't forget us. Maybe you can even dive in a little bit. Yeah. And, 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 and that's, that, was, that was their only request. So then the Rebetzin, like a, a good Chabadnik, had a little bit of chutzpah. And she said, when these things happen, it's a, it's a simon from a Kaddish Baruch Hu that we have to take new hachlatas upon ourselves. We have to take something new upon ourselves. So she said, 
is it possible you don't yet light Shabbos candles? And the woman said, no, I don't light Shabbos candles. Maybe you could take upon yourself, take upon yourself to start lighting Shabbos candles. From now on, it would be a schus to protect that, that to, 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 to do something hard and daven when you're lighting the Shabbos candles that your father should go free. And she said, yes, I'm going to take that upon myself. And then mitzvah goes mitzvah, right? Because once you do one mitzvah, you want to do another mitzvah. So then they went to the husband and said, maybe you could take upon yourself to start wrapping tefillin. And he said, well, okay, maybe next week. He says, no, maybe tomorrow. He says, okay, I'll, do it. I'll start doing tomorrow. Come to the office and I'll start wrapping tefillin. Then they went to the representative uh, who brought them from Tel Aviv and said, maybe you also start wrapping tefillin. He said, okay, I'll also start wrapping tefillin. And then she was so moved. And the woman said, maybe you could give me a third pair of tefillin so that I can give that pair of tefillin to, um, to my dad when he will be freed. And indeed, the Chabad woman gave, said, yes, we're going to get you that third pair of tefillin. And now, amazingly enough, Baruch Hashem, uh, that man is wearing tefillin. Bezorat Hashem just... And again, again, the, the power of taking a hachlata upon yourself, the power of taking something that's hard, that, that, that you wouldn't necessarily take upon yourself, is just... That, I think that's what that story is trying to awaken within us. In, in the army, I saw so many different people who wouldn't necessarily wear tefillin every day, who wouldn't wear tzitzis, who wouldn't necessarily wear Shabbos, um, different people who started doing it. In the Israeli army, I saw with my own eyes all these Masorati people who were being mitchazek from the whole experience. Some of them would go over to us and would ask us to help them put tefillin on them every day. So I think that's that was one of the lessons I, I derived from story number two. And story number three, we'll end with this, is uh, was retold by Jimmy Gimple. And... And it goes like this. There, the Argentinian president mm-hmm. uh, visited Israel last week. I was there at the Kotel, and he is an amazing person. He's the strongest pro-Israel uh, president of a country since, I don't know, since David Amelach. <laughs> since maybe Menachem Begin. I don't know. He's, he's, uh, he's very, very proud uh, to be pro-Israel. He actually says he's a student of the Lubavitcher Rebbe. Uh, and he in, said he wants to convert to Judaism after he's done being the president. He's super strong Zionist. You could do it now also. Uh, well, you talk to him. Send him an email. But anyways, he's busy right now. He's, he's, you know, he's got stuff to do. Anyways, that's the story. So, so he comes to Israel, and he davens at the Kotel, and he's crying. Imam is seen crying, davening, praying for the, for the hostages. And he is just uh, dancing and singing. He's so sincere. And then that night, he goes to Yad Vashem, and he talks about the famous prophecy of Rabbi Akiva. And he says, just as we witnessed the negative prophecies, the, the, the wolf on, on Harbais, the Sha'ul, right? So we're also going to witness the positive prophecies of the Beit HaMegash being rebuilt. And that's what he says at Yad Vashem. And then that night, Two captives from two hostages from his country, from Argentina, happened to be freed. And to make things even crazier, and this gets back to our original topic, Torah predictions, the Gemara in Sanhedrin, Tafzamechet Amad Beit, if you want to look inside, says, Rabbi Yochanan Amar, Le Mashiach Mashmo. What's going to be the name of Mashiach? Which is kind of a funny, a funny name, a funny question to ask. Obviously, this is in the realm of a gadata of uh, teachings with deep meaning that, that are a bit mysterious. So, the very of Shiloh Amar Shiloh. Oh, his name's going to be Shiloh. 
Okay. And there's another opinion that says his name is going to be Yinun. And then, like, Chanina. And then there's another opinion, maybe the most famous opinion, that it's going to be named Menachem. Okay? Menachem. But there's a less well-known opinion. Amre Chivra. Okay? Chivra. Which means, like, white. And, like, Chayalenu. Shenemar Achen Chalyanu Naso Mechaveinu Savlam. It's, um, it's Aramaic. So, amazingly enough, what is the name of this Argentinian president who came and davened his hearts out at the Kotel? Javier. J-A-V-I-E-R, but, it, but the way it's pronounced, Javier, which sounds very, very similar to Chivra. I'm not saying it's exactly the same, but it's still pretty amazing that, that this name of someone who's going to usher in the Messianic era happens to be so similar to Javier. So I'm not saying that he's a Mashiach, don't get me wrong, but maybe it's trying to teach us that the Munapshuta of people like this Argentinian pr- president of davening and singing and, and praying their hearts out at the Kotel, that's the type of thing that's going to bring the Mashiach. So anyways, um, I, to me, this I, I just took all of these things as... Hashem being Machazik or Amuna, in the beginning of the war, I think everyone just felt supercharged to take things upon themselves, to say more davening and learning and mitzvahs. And now we're so many months in after so much bad news, it can kind of be disheartening. And it's hard for us to keep up the intensity of our Avodos Hashem. But I feel like this little miracle that we experienced this week was Hashem's way of waking us up again and saying, keep going. Keep pushing. I love when you were taking those little chlotas uh, upon yourself. I'm giving you these little hugs, these little ways of, uh, of pushing us to, um, to, to, to keep going stronger and stronger. Okay, so all of that was kind of a side point, but I couldn't not mention it because I think it was so special. And 